Journey moderates, there are a few things that are more precious to a free society, free world, but a free society, than free speech. Free speech is a bedrock, a core, a fundamental um, for all of my willingness to say, what if I'm wrong? I'm probably closest to being an absolutist on free speech than anything else. Um, that goes with the First Amendment, and of course that relates to censorship. Well, you may or may not have heard what was reported in the first in the Daily Telegraph last week, Britain, Britain. And again, this is coming out of Britain, so we're not talking about America, but we are talking about the Anglo-American tradition of British democracy, our closest ally. All of this feeds together. Roll Dahl is being censored. You heard that right. The late children's author of British classics, you probably know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, the fantastic Mr. Fox. They are being pruned of, I guess, offensive language or expunged of, of offensive language for sensitivity. The publisher, which is named Puffin, P-U-F-F-I-N, says language related to weight, mental health, violence, gender, and race has been cut and rewritten, or at least that's what they told the British Telegraph. Um, apparently, for example, in James and the Giant Peach, you remember the Cloud Men? I don't know how many people listening to this have read Dahl, but um, he was really masterful as a storyteller. Um, there were, there were characters called the cloud men in James and the giant peach. Well, they're now the cloud people. You may have seen Mr. Fantastic Mr. Fox. It was uh, put into an amazing, um, like CGI animation movie, like 10, 15 years ago. Um, the small foxes that were in that movie are now female. Okay. Um, and in Matilda, who, if you remember, was this little girl who found solace and comfort in books and in reading. That was her sanctuary. She read a lot of things, including Rudyard Kipling, great British author. He's been cut. Too offensive, too racist, but they've added Jane Austen. I love Jane Austen, for the record. Probably more than Rudyard Kipling, but that's besides the point. These racially uh, gender-oriented uh Culture warriors, I guess, these sensitive censors, you may call them. And some people refer to them as sensitive readers, whatever the hell that is. They also remove the word black to describe inanimate objects. For example, in Mr. the movie in Fantastic Mr. Fox, there's a there's a moment where um, they're describing tractors. And, oh, those tractors, those machines were both black. Well, that's been cut. Now, in the new, sanitized, safe, not scary, no one can ever be uncomfortable world of Roald Dahl, although his whole work as a narrative storyteller was to make kids squirm and giggle and laugh and all of that, neither machines nor animals can ever have a color attached to them. That would be racist, because you do know tractors, black tractors, referring to black tractors. Now that's that's racist, you know. I mean, I can't think of anything more marginalized than the black tractor. Can you? Good God! Well, Pem, uh, Puffin is owned by um, Penguin Publishing Group, so journalists and authors across the spectrum, to be fair, have been loud in their condemnation. Salman Rushdie, you may know, he famously 
uh, shot. He shot to fame um, for having a bounty put on his head, uh, a fatwa, a religious order of death by then Iranian Mullah Ayatollah Khomeini, because he wrote a book called The Satanic Verses, which was considered blasphemy by uh, very, very devout Muslims, especially in Iran. And he feared for his life almost all of his life since he since he wrote that book in 1989. And as it happens, he was stabbed last year at an event, at an event in uh, the Hudson Valley of New York. Yeah, for his offensive writing through the years, um, stabbed in front of a group. Yes, he's been in recovery. He'll never have vision in one eye. Yeah. And Rushdie tweeted, okay, Rushdie being a full paradigm of what it means to speak your mind and write the freedom, folks, of being able to do that. He said Roald Dahl was no angel, and he wasn't. Roald Dahl had deeply anti-Semitic views and was very problematic. That doesn't mean we can't read his stuff as written. Rushdie says Roald Dahl was no angel, quote, but this is absurd censorship. Puffin books and the Dahl estate should be ashamed, end quote. Other writers said, quote, if you weren't worried about cancel culture before, surely this egregious assault on some of the best known children's books of the modern era, this posthumous purging of an author's output will change your mind. And that's what it is, quote, a purge. It is. You know, Orwell, it's been said so often now, especially in the last seven years since the rise of Trumpism, but in this age of truths as we want to tell them, untruths, half-truths, lies, evasions, and total bullshit that come, as you know I call it, from both sides of the aisle and even down the middle. We are living in Orwell's world. It's not even a cliche to say it. It may be repetitive. Orwell being a political hero of mine, these are Orwell's nightmares. We are living them. To quote from 1984, if you haven't read that novel about you know, it's probably the greatest novel on a dystopia. That may be in Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, but I prefer Orwell's writing. It's about that in the future, there's this, this fully despotic dystopia run by totalitarians. And here is the what I thought about when I heard about this, uh, this travesty as it relates to Dahl. Quote, every record has been destroyed or falsified, the novel's main character says. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street and building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. Yeah. That's what they did. In Mao Zedong's China. That's what they did in Stalinist Russia and in the Soviet Union. Art had no voice. The state had the voice. Now, let's be clear. The government of the UK did not mandate this. This is coming from a private publishing company. And you might say, well, you know, there was no, not really censorship because a government isn't, isn't getting in the way or placing um, their heavy hand on the work of art, on works of art. And to which I say that's true. And in America, I always defend private companies. That's why I defend Twitter, even though I like Elon Musk, I'll defend any private company's right to do and say what they want to do because that is why we have a First Amendment here. But as it relates to England, and I'm going to bring this back here, private companies are self-censoring because they are afraid of cancel culture. They are afraid of the woke mob. You know, Fox News and the right run with a lot of crap, and they traffic and profit from outrage. And you know right here on this program, I give it to you straight. When I interview people, I always want to have a conversation. Everybody's welcome on this show, but the liars, thieves, clowns, and buffoons. And I don't 
ever want to divide people. I don't want to create outrage where there is none. I don't want to take uh, something that has the kernel of truth and expand it um, as a dominant narrative or a matter of fact. But disgrace. This is totalitarianism. The word chambermaid has been turned uh, changed to cleaner. Old hag is now the old crow. And the line, you must be mad, woman, is now you must be out of your mind. To be fair, Roald Dahl himself did some rewriting of Oompa Loompas uh, in Willy Wonka, The Chocolate Factory, so they were no longer African. Okay. He's the author, though. He's also dead. Roald Dahl died in 1990. That was his choice. He's the writer. But I know for a fact and this is his estate working with his publishing company, but Dahl would have been horrified by all of these changes. He was, uh, just so people know, Raoul Dahl was Welsh. As I mentioned, he is uh, was a prolific writer. He um, was sadly uh, given over to anti-Semitic feelings, sentiments, comments, which, um, which are in- indefensible. But as it related to his writing, he always was a bit combative with his, um, his editors, according to people that knew him and his biographers and people who've wrote about Dahl himself. Um, he was very, 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 very prickly uh, and, and uh, uh, rightfully so about anybody changing any language um, that he didn't think should be changed. Um, but he's dead. And, you know, this may be okay to some, you know, the world where no one can ever be uncomfortable. Children, who would read these books and learn about, you know, dolls, expansive, kind of crazy, warped, but also wonderful imagination. So he depicted scenarios and scenes that were utterly ridiculous, often scary, downright funny. They're going to be deprived of that. We can't say anymore. The good guy doesn't like the bad guy because the bad guy's that. That's essentially what we're saying. So do we not have foils in literature anymore, right? What's the journey of the character? What's the challenge they have to overcome? Everything's fine, and nothing is ever uncomfortable or too harrowing or harsh. Well, what's the, what's the story? What are we after? Why are we here? This is absolutely going on in the climate of a very, very censorious way of living, censorious and intolerant, and I believe totalitarian. Um, I tweeted yesterday um, in preparation for this episode, but just because I wanted to, I know many of you follow me on Twitter. Cancel culture is fundamentally immoral as it insists on banishment rather than redemption. There can be no teaching moment, only punitive exile. It is a totalitarian exercise which exalts in its own intolerance while masquerading as virtue. It is mobocracy, not democracy. And that's where we are. This is right here. Not an exercise in the success of diversity, equity, inclusion, which was the committee sensitivity readers are brought in to achieve those goals. No, this is exclusion. Inclusion would be, as I was saying to my producer before the episode, great. Make sure that voices in literature and children's stories are read and, and, and written by, uh, from feminist points of view, from trans points of view, from indigenous points of view, from, uh, by people of color, any, and what have you. Anybody who's got a story to tell. That's the beauty of it. 
being exposed to great literature um, as an adult that I had never read because in graduate school, I finally read, um, you know, Louise Erdrich on Native American stuff and, and, and other authors who I was not privy to, right, in the American canon. Well, in the same here, don't, don't exclude. Don't do this. Don't have a witch hunt. Okay? I mean, this is the climate that we are in, and it's crazy. You know, this just this past week, we've seen um, trans activists demand that the New York Times no longer publish anti-trans journalism and hire more trans writers when actually the New York Times was actually just covering not both sides of being trans, pro-trans and transphobic, but actually covering um, what goes on with gender dysphoria and what does it mean to detransition? This has been over the over the course of time. And they've gone crazy. Thankfully, the New York Times has fought back even against their union, which wants them to do this. And they said, we are journalists, not activists. And that's the other thing. Why is everybody now in society an activist? So we have an activist committee literally purifying, I would say, purging literature. If you think by any stretch of an imagination that this is the end, you are living in your dream world. And if you think cancel culture is real, then maybe you're the privileged one. Because this, this, this is horrifying. I get chills when I think about it. A posthumous censure. Totalitarianism made clear Thankfully, it, it, it failed in the 20th century bloodshed regime, regimes of which it murdered and starved and terrorized its people and destroyed its culture, rewrote every word, as Orwell said. It remade every aspect of its society in the name of the state, in the name of, well, for communist governments, in the name of equality, freedom. Freedom to all be equal, not, not freedom. Freedom to all be the same. So in order to do that, despotism had to reign, right? You have to have a heavy hand. This isn't in microcosm that. The only way to make everybody feel okay is to eliminate it all. Not for any reason other than we don't want anybody to be offended. And society is changing. And then I'm reading these ridiculous counter arguments about, well, you know, why do we have to, why can't we change things? And why don't we evolve? We very much can change things. There are many movies and many works of art which wouldn't hold up today, wouldn't be made today for various reasons. But you know what? I grew up in a time when there were a lot of offensive stuff. I'm a gay man. I grew up when you heard a lot of anti-gay slurs in movies and 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 um, certainly racial epithets and all that stuff. A lot of times it was done in the name of comedy. But if you go back and watch some of these movies, yeah, they're it's cringy. But I lived. I, I was okay. I got better. It didn't lead to my doom. It led to actually to my liberation. I said, well, this, this doesn't feel good, so let me at least be who I am. Come out and share that with the world, and maybe that'll be a corrective to the ignorance. How about that? You know, why can't these ideas of, of making the world better, why can't they say, hey, let's just all engage it? Because only by airing it out can we challenge it. Can we, to use the academic word, problematize it? Can we engage it? Otherwise, what is it we're, we're talking about? Why, why are we getting rid of it?
Why are we rewriting texts? You know, firing people for making a mistake, pressuring people on social media. People err, humans err. The immorality of cancel culture is that you don't have another chance. It is over. And if you disagree with us, whoosh, to the gulag you go. Well, I mean, that's metaphorical, but in the Soviet Union, that's what they did. They sent you to Siberian work prison. That's what that is. That's the terrifying thing here. There is a totalitarian nature to this kind of censorship. Fortunately, um, I did a wonderful episode, and um, it'll be included here on the link of the podcast. The great author and uh, Danish lawyer Jacob uh, Changama, who wrote a great speech called a speech called a book on free speech, um, he talked about this. I need you to go back and listen to the episode, not this specific story, obviously, but what it means to have free ideas in a free society. You can't actually have a free society if you don't have freedom of speech. Because who's the arbiter of the freedom? People say, well, we have to get rid of this, have to get rid of that. Who, who's we? Well, I don't want the government doing it. Well, who's the we? This amorphous mob now that is terrorizing us for – or terrorizing late authors in the case of Roald Dahl who wrote things with a specific purpose? The total redefining and purging of a society where everything's a hierarchy of oppression and everything's anti-black or anti-indigenous and everything is about oppression versus the oppressed. It's very vengeful. It's very disgusting. It creates a new hierarchy. It creates a censorship hierarchy. We're now going to have a world that is censorious, that censors, that's afraid. I can't imagine – I mean I'm a writer, but I can't imagine r trying to write a novel now. I'm not a novelist. I'd be terrified about what I could write. You can't write anything, and I'm not here to <laughs> – not suggesting we republish Mein Kampf for crying out loud. I'm suggesting that people should be able to express themselves, certainly authors who have been dead for 33 years. What do you say? Freedom of speech is not a side issue. It's not a secondary issue. It's not, oh, yeah, well, that matters too, but I'm offended. No, it is the fundamental issue. How can we address anything? How can we cure ills, the real ills of racism and homophobia, transphobia, and sexism, real ills, if everything's offensive and everything has to go? If everything is racist, then nothing's racist. If everything is transphobic, then nothing's transphobic. Do you understand the injustice of the justice movement sometimes, the way the rhetoric gets twisted? This, is just, this just feels like a, a new form, a new iteration of cultural McCarthyism on the left. We can't address anything, sensitive issues that we've had to grapple with as a world society, not just in America, if we don't live as free people, where we bump ourselves up against one another, saying the wrong thing, often doing the wrong thing, but then learning from that. Without it, we're not living as free individuals. We're living as servants of censors, servants not of the state, but akin to that do we want to be 1984 do we want to be winston that's the protagonist who is frequently um gaslit by the government of oceana that's the place in the book is that is that what we want to live in and this this sometimes i feel like i'm being gaslit here saying oh no no you don't understand no i do understand the 20th century was a, an experiment in the most horrible kinds of totalitarianism nazism communism alike fascism 
things that we're trying to fight, certainly here at home in America, that's also across the globe, whether it's Viktor Orban in Turkey or Erdogan, uh, Viktor Orban in Hungary, excuse me, or Erdogan in Turkey, Putin, who's trying to pretty much annex Central and Eastern Europe for himself again. What's, what's going to stop it? Yeah, this is just one instance, but it keeps going and going and going and going. But we have to understand why it's happening, and we have to fear that it's happening, and we have to push back against it. Folks, just as a, a note here, make sure you give a listen again uh, to Jacob Changama. He's the CEO of Justicia. It was a it is a Denmark uh, human rights think tank born out of the Muslim cartoon co- controversy in a Danish newspaper. Um, just giving you that. Uh, give it a listen. That episode aired July eighteenth of twenty twenty two. Folks, obviously, uh, if you're listening to this, we hope you subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts and. As always, go to DirtyModerate.com for all things Dirty Moderate. One thing we can assure you, we'll never censor. We will always allow you the freedom to comment. We will comment back. And this space for all the guests who've been here before and all the guests to come. You're free to say what you want. And I will always defend your right to say it. Folks, thanks for joining me for this episode. In the meantime, stay dirty. Stay safe and stay moderate.